Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we're in the world of leadership, leadership development, kind of being a better leader. And you're going to love this conversation. I, you know, for those that are listening for a while, you know, I love these types of topics. Today, we're talking blind spots, and it's such a cool idea. And on the podcast today is Rich Barons. Rich, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Justin, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you. <laughs> Dude, I. Could not wait to talk about your new book. And before we get to the book, though, what I thought would be cool is to talk about your your business um, and kind of how you got into the space overall. And then let's jump into your new book. Are your <laughs> what are your blind spots? Conquering the five misconceptions that hold leaders back. So let's start with how did you even get into the space and talk about your company a bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it does uh, provide some good context. You know, we uh, we started this thing a few years ago, a while ago, and and. Um, you know, we were actually futurists, right? So we, we were the folks who, you know, we, we live in a world where there's way too much information for all of us to process. And so we were working with uh, executive teams, right? And we would sort of summarize for them the most essential things that they need to understand to make the best strategic decisions, right? And, uh, and, and that work got us invited to a lot of the strategy offsites where they said, hey, you're sitting on all this great information. Come here, help us facilitate, help us get more clear on our strategy. And so we did that. And, you know, the way that normally works uh, for, for any of us who've sort of been on strategic offsites retreats, it's like people lock themselves away. Sometimes wineries, golf courses, <laughs> right. clubs, wherever, wherever that stuff happens, right? And uh, we would do lots of work, sometimes uh, days, sometimes over a couple of weeks. And, and in the end, it would end up in some form of PowerPoint presentation deck that was, you know, anywhere between 50 and 324 pages of lots of brilliant thinking, you know, Absolutely. which was then toast our collective brilliance <laughs> right. with those folks. <laughs> you know, boy, aren't we, aren't we all really smart? And, um, and then when we would check back in three or six months later on, uh, on, on what happened to our great, brilliant thinking, we sort of got the, oh, that's a good question. You know, I don't yeah, know whatever stuck, happened to that somewhere, yeah. whatever happened to that. Right. And so there was this whole frustration where, there's so much great thinking, but it's it's ultimately the execution is not about the brightest few, but about the greatest many and them really embracing it. So we had a real dissatisfaction with the status quo and how strategy was processed, what leaders were doing with it, how they're engaging the organization. And then we saw the result of it and we said, hey, wait, and the other thing we're seeing is 70% of people in organizations are not connected to their business or somewhere indifferent, sort of punch in and punch out. And it's, it's a huge waste of productivity. Plus, it's also the place where we spend most of our time. Like nobody wants to be at it. That's just not good enough. That's not right. And there's an opportunity in that. So as entrepreneurs, we're like, wait a second, stop this strategy stuff. We're going to go in the activation of strategy and engaging people and what leaders need to do and what companies need to do. And so we started doing lots of research on creative methods, systems, thinking, and all kinds of cool stuff that was really then the birth for our business to just find a better way. And, and that, that's what we're still doing to this day. And we love doing it. Yeah. So for those those who don't know Rich, Rich is the CEO and president of Root. And um, I, I describe you as kind of a creative consulting firm, but focused on this whole idea of you know strategy and organizational behavior. You know what I mean? Like the things around leading an organization. And, and I, I think that's a great setup for this this new book. And, and it's got to be a fun space to be in because you're I, you know, there's so many, there's so much need for it and on businesses large and small. Absolutely. You know, and really the, the, the reason why we, we set 
sat down and, and, and wrote the book like a, you know, a year, year or so ago was we've been with so many clients, right? And over the last, whatever, 20 years, kind of in battle, so to speak, with some of the, the, the best around the globe. And, and time and time again, we saw some things that leaders were doing with the best of intentions. We went, man, you know, you're, you're kidding, right? <laughs> that's, right. That's, that's not the not the best way to do it. Not that we have all the answers, but we've been able to take a lot of notes. And so we said, hey, let's, let's capture the sort of those most common elements, right? Where, where, where we see leaders, once again, wanting to do the right thing, but really not necessarily doing the right thing. And, uh, and, and if we can, you know, we, we can help by sharing our experiences, then, then that's an exciting thing to do. Yeah. So the book, What Are Your Blind Spots? Conquering the Five Misconceptions That Hold Leaders Back. So first of all, this whole idea of blind spots. I love this idea. And my guess, though, would be if I went back into the office where I work in my day job and said to my team or others in the organization, what do you think are your blind spots? I don't know that they would necessarily def- be able to define them right off the bat or define them correctly. So talk about what you mean by blind spots and how it applies to a leader. No, you're, 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 you're spot on. and, and <laughs> No pun intended. And, I mean, they're called blind spots for a reason, right? It's like, right. They're sort of hard to see. They're hard to see yourself, and they're sometimes hard to see for others. And, and one of the reasons is that, that there are in many ways norms of thinking around certain items, right? And maybe even before I would talk about leadership and we sort of we were trying to draw a parallel on, on, on where in sort of non-leadership issues that kind of make the point, right? And, and, and maybe to just do that for a second, as you think of society and, and our norms sort of evolve over time, right? And there's things that, that we thought were perfectly normal in the past that we now go, you've got to be kidding me, right? And so, so for example, and we talk about some of this in the book, but you go 100 years ago and you could buy cocaine cough drops for your kids, right? And, you, and that was perfectly normal, right? And now you go got to be kidding right um that's that you know i don't know if that was brilliant or or what but uh but anyhow that 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 you can't do anymore <laughs> 50 years ago you look at you look at cigarettes right and you had doctors right. and dentists recommending them you had the who is who in hollywood smoking them because it was the cool thing to do and you look at that now and you go well that's really sort of not cool and undesirable and sort of stupid given the health benefits right or you go back 25 or 30 years ago and there's literally advertisements all over the place for carbonated soft drinks for your toddlers, right? Because they're going to drink their milk more and their baby food if you put in a lot of, you know, uh, Sprite type uh, or cola type substances because it makes things sweeter, right? And and you look at that and you go, you got to be kidding, right? And, Absolutely. And, but it's not that we, we, we weren't particularly smart, but, then, but, but we weren't enlightened on the subject. We had a different perspective, right? And, and, and there's lots of those. We could you know, if we had a live audience, we'd say, can you think of other blind spots? And people have all kinds of things but that we now sort of have a more enlightened view that back then we didn't think we're, we're all that, you know, we're, we're, we're actually the perfectly normal thing to do. And, and we do the same in leadership, right? And there's things, and this is why they're so hot to spot, to your point, it's, it's because in our time today, we don't even see necessarily how wrong or flawed our thinking is, right? Because it's, a, it's a set of beliefs um, and experiences preclude us from having kind of the most enlightened view on how to really lead people effectively. So the same issue that we have in normal life, we have in leadership. And in many ways, a lot of our sort of core beliefs of leadership are still grounded in, to some degree, the industrial age a little bit, right? Versus kind of the the economy that we live in today. Wow. That's fascinating. And and it's something that, you know, any uh, introspective person that's either managing a team, leading a team, in any type of role, it's important. So I think it would be really cool to dive into, though, this five misconceptions that hold leaders back. Because, right, if you're going to be a better leader, 
understand your blind spots and understand the things that could be holding me back. So let's talk through those. Yeah, let's absolutely do it. Yeah, anyone particular want to start with or ah, do you just pick any one of them? Let's go in order. <laughs> let's yeah. do it in order. That would be great. Perfect. Let's, let's go in order. So in, let's in, start uh, with purpose. So the first that? one is, is on, on purpose, right? And so and purpose has sort of been, purpose is kind of funny because it's kind of been the hot thing. Right. Um, what's my why? It's kind of like, what's right? my why? <laughs> what's my why? Exactly. With it. Simon Sinek and ah, HBR exactly. is sort of all over the place. Yep. And everybody talks about purpose. And that's a good thing, right? It's like, why, why do we exist? The blind spot we see, though, is, 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 uh, is that what we see in organizations a lot is, is purpose matters. But in the end, we don't really believe it drives our numbers, right? So meaning purpose is now the sort of this important why thing and we want to have it, but we really don't believe it's a core driver of our business operations, right? Oh, and we were even with one client, he was getting all into the purpose thing and, and hey, let's work with us on it. And there's a sort of a legacy piece. I really think this is really important for the organization. And it was really great work until they had a really bad miss on the quarterly number, right? <laughs> right. And he's like, hey, guys. I got it. It's like, I mean, this is really important. It's good stuff, but I got to put this on hold for a while. We got it right in the ship. And then we can go back to the purpose thing. Right. Right. And we're like, whoa, you know, wait a second. That's sort of, that's not really getting it, you know, um, because purpose ultimately has to be a core belief. It has to be a business operating system. It has to guide you in your strategic decisions. Right. And so one of the main blind spots we see on the purpose side is that people don't fully connect their business operations. They don't, they don't embed the why. They don't embed the purpose into their strategic planning, into the prioritization, and, and in how they run the business, right? And, and if you don't do that, and if you don't connect people to that in a meaningful way, um, you profoundly um, underperform. In many ways, you, you might as well not even have one because it's almost like the sort of nice thing to have that when everybody feels good about. And, 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 and it's, I can't tell you how many organizations right now have created a purpose statement, have even a purpose council, have some form of, of work around purpose, but really haven't fundamentally challenged their business operations on how to be more purpose-driven, sure. right? And, ha- and inf- infuse it into their business processes. And, yeah. and it's, uh, it, it's a real flaw, to be yeah. honest. And, uh, and some of them do it consciously, but a lot of them do it subconsciously. They haven't. They sort of have created the purpose. They put the check mark by it, and they go, "Okay, well, we got this." That would right. Be. We've printed it. We put it on the wall. We gave everyone a little card to put in their wallet. But then, if you and go the ask everyone, card, yeah. right, and you ask everybody, "What what do you think is our purpose?" Uh, some wouldn't even know it. Some might know parts of it. You know, it it doesn't connect, and I, I think that's a big problem in a lot of organizations today. Well, we got a, a stat there that, that you know from some research that. 90% of employees said that the company understood the importance of purpose because then it is such a hot topic. And I think people do embrace it. And by the way, millennials now expect it, right? I think companies are moving on it because the next generation, they're, they're kind of authentically looking, do you mean what you say as an organization? Right. right. So, no question. So that's why organizations are going there. But, but less than 50% of employees think that the company was run in a purpose-driven way, right? And that's the gap we're going at. It's one oh. thing to say it. It's another one to be run in a purpose-driven way. I love that one. All right. Number two. Story. Number two, story. So, um, the is this like of being story a good is storyteller? Is this like being a good storyteller? Well, or, well, it's uh, the, the, the essence of the blind spot is, is that many leaders believe that they have a compelling story to tell that their people care about. Mm, interesting. So, <laughs> the, the reality between is, reality and <laughs> expectation. Got it. And, and what's even more interesting is, is that most businesses really actually have a pretty compelling story, right? If you look at the technology change and the competition and what's going on, I mean, there's a lot of drama in business, better than most television shows, right? But then once we get into the, the, the story of that and we start putting that in the slides, 
and do whatever else with it. We have an unbelievable talent as leaders and as organizations to make the compelling dull and uninteresting. Oh, right? interesting. And um, I mean, it is just, just look at the average PowerPoint, right? There's, there's a reason, you know, I've, I've got a couple of kids, but, but there's a reason we, we don't take slide decks to our kids at night to tell them bedtime stories. <laughs> Right. I, do, I will say I like making good PowerPoint slides, but most people are oh, not the best at it. <laughs> they're, they're, not that there can't be good PowerPoint slides, you know, but <laughs> but there, there's a but there is kind of a of a limit on it. But, but no question. So, so we so so leaders underestimate or don't appreciate the importance of story or what it takes to to to, to, to be good at it. Right. And and there's a couple of different components. The the one is is just the quality of the story itself, and we we, we just mentioned that a little bit, right? Um, the second, and this is athletic for anybody, if you have a team, right? If you have a team, it can be two, three, five people, 10 people, a thousand people, right? So, so one is what's the quality of your story? The second is then what's the, and this is where we see leaders really falling down. If you think about it, what's the shared meaning around the story, right? And by shared meaning is, do we have a common understanding versus just common words, right? One, one little exercise I'll often I'll run with folks is I'll, I'll tell them like a word like a, that, that has that can have different interpretations. So if I say the word bear, right, Justin, I say, hey, what's the visual image that comes to mind, right? And, and if, we had, if there was like 10 of us on the call and one might say, oh, I see a grizzly bear. And then somebody else might say, I see a polar bear. And then they say, actually, no, I, I thought it was bear aspirin. And somebody else, I thought it was the Chicago bears, right? And so that's just one word with all kinds of different ideas and imagery that comes to people's heads. And what I'll then say is, now, now let's look at your average slide deck or your story, and you talk about customer service, innovation, process improvement. We're going to have as many different pictures in our head as we have words on, on the particular slide, and we all act based on that imagery in our head. So if we don't have true shared meaning around our story, it, it's going to fail. You're going to, have, you're going to have way too many different versions of, of interpretation, right? And so you need the clarity of the story. You need some shared meaning. And then ultimately, once you have that, you got to be really good at telling the story. No question. And there's a lot of companies today focused on that whole thing around being a good storyteller, right? That is another trend I would say is out there right now. Correct. That's a, it's a big one. I, it's, 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 uh, and it's really, I think we've seen that really kind of taking, taking on the last 12 to 18 months. It really seems to, I think, exactly. I think people are starting to recognize the importance of it. And that's really understanding um, what it means to be as a leader great at inspire and clarifying and inspiring story with, with, within your team. Yeah. So clarify the why, clarify your purpose, be a good storyteller to be able to convey that to your team and then still trust. How about number three? Oh, I jumped to trust, but number three, engagement. Yeah. Engagement. And that's, um, you know, this goes back to the, uh, you know, when we talk about the story itself, the quality of the story, this is about how you engage your organization in that story. Right. And so you, you've got somewhere between 50 to 70% of people in your organization being indifferent. And some of that is because, they're being talked to and they're being told. And the reality is, is that the, the, the blind spot on this one is that we have this core belief that rational and logical presentation engage the hearts and minds of people. Ah, right? nice. And, I like that. And that's not really how it works. That's right? right. If, if you want it to, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great. But, but people don't change their habits because somebody made a logical argument. Right. You right. Gotta, you gotta ask anybody and, and who's, who's had an addiction or any sort of habit. It's like, that's not, you got to get to, you know, if you don't get to the heart, the mind won't follow. Um, and, and you have to get people, you know, people will tolerate what you have to say, right? Just like our listeners will, right? But, but they'll tolerate what we have to say, but they act based on their own conclusions, 
Meaning that they're going to have to come to the Oakland and then they go, okay, well, this is what, this is what, how it's making me think differently. Now I'm willing to maybe entertain a new behavior or a new habit or something of that sort. But, but it isn't normally happening when as a leader, I go into a big tell, I go into a big webcast, I go into a big, you know, one-way presentation. That's not how you change hearts. That's how, that's not how you change minds. That's not really how you engage people, right? We were, we were with a client where we did, you know, we, we sort of, we drive a lot of times organizational conversations at scale, right? I mean, we have 50,000 people engaged in an organizational conversation. It's very powerful when that happens. And I was in a session where, um, you know, somebody at, at the end of said, give me your main takeaway. And, and he started tearing up and he said, you know, I've worked in this business for over 15 years. And I can honestly say, this is the first time that somebody has authentically asked me for my opinion. And for that, I just want to say thank you, right? And I can't tell you how often that happens. Where Are we really asking for people's opinions? Are we really listening to them? Are we really making them part of the process? But right? if you really want to drive engagement, that's what you have to do as a leader. So once again, whether your team is 2, 5, 10, 20, think about how you engage them in conversation versus presentation if you really want to make progress on an issue. I love that one. That's awesome. Man, these are such great ideas too. I, like for for me, I've got an upcoming team meeting. Like I'm I'm gonna absolutely. I mean, I'm I think I do some of these things. But what's great about this is it's yeah, you know, it's a reminder, right? This is awesome. Okay, next one. Sidebar. I was just totally sidebar. <laughs> no, that's good. It's a reminder. And, you know, in, in the book, we got a bunch of sort of more detailed how tos, right? And even the self assessment. Like, what does these things mean specifically? We're kind of touching them at a higher level, and so it's a matter of what does you know. What does great really look like on these fronts, right? What do the best ones really do? Um, because it's and it's really a combination of doing all five of these together and being self-aware that that makes for great leaders that have engaged teams that are above average productive, right? Which is really what we're shooting. I love that. Yeah, that was that was no, I was going to note later, but a great call out that what I, another cool thing about your book is you provide some of the tools that equip leaders, right? And, and you can really look and you call it a personal leadership reset, but really I'd say almost like a diagnostic or assessment or self-reflection. And then, you know, you can then tweak your approach based on your coaching. I think that's really cool. All right. I want to get to the last two. Um, trust. I mentioned trust briefly, but talk about the blind spot associated with trust. Yeah, you know, this is, a, this is an interesting one. And this is where I think often uh, people, this is probably one of the bigger blind spots where people will say, no, no, we, we trust our people, right? We, uh, right. <laughs> we really uh, trust them to do the right thing. Oh, you talk to almost any leader and then, then you say, okay, let me take a look at your business operations and how you guys are run. And what you find is that just about everything they put in place actually says you don't really trust your people, right? right. In terms of That's policies, right. procedures, everything else. And so the blind spot is, you know, ultimately it's people will not do the right thing unless you tell them what to do and hold them accountable to it. Right. And I can't tell you how many large organizations, there are so many processes, you know, between HR, between legal, between finance, between whoever else is in charge of process excellence. They've put so many things in place all to make sure that somebody doesn't screw up that you've taken away essentially the freedom of letting people be their best selves and do the best work for your company. You know, now, now the lines are obviously different depending on the industry you're in and, 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 and what you do, right? If, if, if you work for a nuclear power plant, the, the degrees of freedom have to be a lot less, right? Um, if you work in, if you work in a restaurant, there's food safety things that you can't mess around with. But then there's other things where you got to give a lot of freedom. And, and one of the frameworks, one of the things we talk about in the book is companies are not clear on 
the hard lines, guidelines, and no lines for the employees on, on, on what they need to be doing. Meaning the hard lines is these are the non-negotiables. We all need to do them the same way because there's a greater good attached and whether it's food safety, whatever else that is, all the way to the no lines, which is, hey, here, we're not going to tell you what to do. We trust you to do the best version of yourself. And hopefully we've given you the right training. If not, you're, 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 you're the right person that we hired to do extraordinary things. Because if you don't do sure. that, you will never get extraordinary. If you have, if you maximize process and procedure, you will get the great ordinary, right? And <laughs> right. that's what really, that's what we're kind of going after, right? That's, that's, that's what we want to do. And that's what we, that's what we got to try and create. And, and, uh, but it's, it's difficult for companies, right? It's in the simplest way. Think about this as a, a roundabout and an intersection, right? An intersection is all about control and rules, right? And, uh, and when something goes wrong, you pretty much know exactly whose, whose fault it was. But the ability, the amount of traffic that it can process, it's a lot slower and it's a lot less efficient than a roundabout. It runs a lot smoother, but a roundabout is built on essentially on trust and collaboration, right? You have some, so you have very few rules and then you self-organize. That's, right and and it's a lot that's more a great you, analogy. You, you the number. It's that a, is a great so, analogy. So the question, the question, the, the, think the question for your team, right, or for your business is: Are you really operating like a roundabout, meaning some basic rules, then you trust their judgment, or like an intersection? And most leaders will tell us, "Oh no, we run like a roundabout," and then we really dig into it, and they really run like an intersection. And and uh, and and it's just really good to get clear on that and 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 define for your organization and for your folks for your team um, what that looks like and what what you want that to be. Uh, great story, by the way. UPS. Somebody was telling me I was giving a speech last week, and somebody was saying, "Hey, UPS does that really well. You know, they when they drive around in the truck, um, when they're in the truck, it is complete. It is hard lines. You know, when they right. deliver because it's about driver safety. It's about you know safety on the roads. It's Everything is defined to the absolute T, right? When they open the door and their foot hits the ground, it goes essentially to no lines and guidelines, meaning now do what you do best to please the customer. And we're not going to over-prescribe that. I love that. That's a great analogy. I hope everyone's taking notes. Um, Because I am. Uh, (laughs) So uh, let's hit the last one. And uh, this one is all about truth. Talk about the blind spot of truth. Yes, uh, and that is that leaders believe that their people feel safe telling them what they really think and feel, right? And um, and a lot of times it's just, that's simply not the case, right? So uh, maybe sort of the most poignant story on this, we were, we were with a client and they said, okay, hey, um, we got to create more of a truth-telling culture. People are holding stuff back. We got to just get better at all of this. And, and we got 120 leaders coming together. Can you facilitate a, a session and a conversation? We're like, sure, we can do that. Let us do some interviews and kind of figure out what's going on in the organization. Make a long story short, we did all that. We kind of, you know, we sort of create great sort of visual representations of the truth sometimes. They create powerful conversations. We were doing that in the moment and people were high five. It's like, we've never had conversations like this. We're finally talking about the real thing, sort of a thing. Uh, and some of that truth was critical of the strategy, right? Uh, that, that people were struggling with. And so head of strategy sees it. The CEO hadn't been involved yet to this point, runs over to the, the CEO, complains, you know, what is going on here? And, and you know, and, uh, and ultimately things blow up a little bit and we got summoned the next day, right? Uh, to the CEO. And he, and he goes, Hey, listen, guys, that, that was interesting, you know, and, and, you know, we went back to the people that you talked to and they, they don't know where you got these, these facts from, right? As it's, it's really just, they, they have no idea where you got this from, but, but, 
you know, accordingly not from them, supposedly, right? And and so I was like, okay, this is sort of an absolute moment of truth. So I said, hey, listen, that that means you got two choices, right? The the first one is you believe that we have a vivid imagination. We just want to cause controversy, and uh, and if if that's the case, you might as well just just fire us and let us go. Or the second one is that your people were a lot more comfortable telling us the truth than they were telling you the truth, right? And if you really want to go after the truth, uh, you got to you got to really challenge your thinking on this, right? And and it was quiet for about ten seconds, which felt like seventeen minutes, right? And <laughs> and sure. and so it's really, he starts laughing. He's like, okay, all right, you you, you got me, right? Touche. Let's you know challenge us. What what do we need to you know? Why do we need to change our beliefs, right? And but the point is, truth telling is hard, right? And there's lots that gets in the way, right? For for employees, it's a matter of if I speak up, well, is it is it a career ending move? Will people think I'm stupid, right? Um, all those things is it that they kind of get in the way of truth telling. And from a leader standpoint, it's is critique and indictment of my leadership. What if I don't have all the answers, right? Uh, is it okay being vulnerable? So the, the the point of this is is that everything in your organization likely naturally works against truth telling because of all these sort of things that cause the hierarchy and fear that always get in the way. And so you perpetually need to reinforce that it's okay to tell the truth, that it's desirable to tell the truth. And you need to lead with vulnerability to make sure that people understand that it is something that you appreciate. So don't ever assume it. When people assume it, it's amazing how quickly it goes away. So truth telling, it's, it's an unbelievable accelerator of execution, but it's really hard to sustain. And the bigger you get, the harder it gets because all those mechanisms and hierarchy and processes only get bigger and only make it harder. Wow, I love that. Well, yeah, you know, we've hit all of your your principles here, and you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think what is cool about the book is it's not just a readout, right? It's not just a here's some uh, here's some context and words and fra- and phrases and paragraphs that can help you be better, but it, it does provide you the tools to even be a better leader. And Rich, where can our listeners find you and engage with you so that they can at least check out the book? Yeah, absolutely. So in, in terms of checking out the book and, and, and thank you, just, I mean, uh, easiest place these days is, you know, uh, shockingly Amazon. Right? So go to, go to amazon.com. What are your blind spots? And it'll, it'll pop up. You'll also, you know, on our site, www.rootinc.com, R-O-T-I-N-C.com. There is uh, uh, you'll find information on it and some other things. There's also, there's a, if you're interested in sort of that leadership reset or at least a self-assessment of it, there's a free assessment that you can take that gives you a, a snapshot of how you're doing on the five, right? That, that could be a worthwhile resource for people as well as other resources and articles and content um, if, if this topic is interesting and, and of value. Yeah. And before I let you go, I was thinking, you know, you've had a chance to already vet some of this content with clients of yours and big companies and small, like what would be two or three of the common themes you found as, as you've taken this content out and, and work with different types of leaders and different types of groups? What have you seen that you're like, wow, these are some common themes we're seeing and this is why our content's resonating? Yeah. You know, I, I think one is, is that it's, it's almost like it's the, the integration of all five of them, right? And, and almost with any, and, and most, I mean, you know, most leaders and companies are pretty good. They got there for a reason, right? There's a few exceptions. They're pretty good. But but it's all it's and it's pretty varied on 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 you know they'll be good at two or three of them and then one or two will be like oh man that's that's giving me a whole different way of thinking about it right and so it's actually it's how varied it is but they they sort of see the system of all those five, five major drivers and then sort of it's it's a fine tuning piece right and I, I say this for myself as a leader right it's the 
I mean, leadership is a continuous journey, right? Of, of, of improving in sort of an agile way and constantly being humble and vulnerable about getting better, right? And so I think what we've seen is sort of this authentic self-reflection and then really playing with this and in, in, in terms of getting better, right? And, and, uh, and we've got a whole database on which, which, which blind spots are the, the strongest ones we see and which are the weakest. And so it's, it's kind of fascinating to kind of see what, what's coming out with, with some of that and, and how that maybe varies by industry or by size of company. And so there's fun stuff. And once again, some of that people can, can, can find when they, um, they, they, they look on the site. Uh, and because I don't want to kind of bore everybody with that kind of detail here <laughs> on the phone, but it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's, it's fun stuff. And if in that whole process, you know, we, we make the world of leaders a little better and it creates better organizations, more productive organizations and, and, and makes our, um, you know, system of, of great capitalism and prosperity get even better than, than that, you know, and, and get those disengaged more in the game than, than we, we get excited by this, you know? I love that. I love that. Well, Rich, I, this is such a cool topic. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I can't wait to jump into some of this. I'm going to apply some of it immediately, quite frankly, in the next week. Um, but I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Hey, Justin, thanks for having me. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.